What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with our uh, two biggest bold predictions to uh, preview the season. We were going to do a bunch of these, but we figured we were going to go uh, really in-depth with two of them. So, And we'll have some honorable mentions at the end. But um, Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. And uh, this is just a quick segue from the episode. But man, the growth that you guys have shown towards the channel these last three, four days have been unbelievable. I mean, I just want to thank all you guys. And I'm sure Bush is on the same page growing from basically 430 subscribers to as you're watching this we're over uh 1200 at this point i just want to say a huge thank you i mean plain simple like i know i say that a lot but uh <laughs> i i can't believe it but anyways anything else you want to add bush yeah actually you know what let's give them a, a like a bit of a schedule rundown so we haven't really talked about how we're going to be going into content going into the season so on uh, on mondays we're going to be continuing black monday but it's not going to be me and uh, nick doing it it's going to be me and tyler who is if you've been around for a while you'll know who tyler is he was on the channel like early on um and we're going to be basically just doing like a, a a weekly recap like we'll record it right after the afternoon slate of games and we'll just be talking like kind of shooting the shit about what happened in our games what happened in our fantasy matchups um maybe giving some like early waiver wire advice but and then the next uh like the next day monday nights like kind of tuesday mornings will be like a waiver wire show start sit uh live streams wednesdays around 8 p.m we're gonna have like you guys can join us on uh, a live stream and ask us any start sit questions that you have for that upcoming week uh thursday mike's gonna be doing kind of like a trade target with a little bit of a dynasty feel to it uh type of show and then fridays we're gonna be uh you'll see it um this coming friday is gonna be the premiere of going long where we go through our, our season bets and stuff but that'll be a lot like along the lines of the monday show kind of like a more of a fun nfl type feel to it and then uh saturdays will be kind of like degenerate saturdays basically yeah. where we're doing dfs me and nick will be doing dfs stuff and then uh danny will be fly, either flying solo or with a guest going through um thrive fantasies uh, player, props player props and as well as survivor picks for sure, for sure. Definitely an exciting schedule coming up for you guys, as we mentioned. Uh, that starts at Waiver Wire Show. Uh, basically, we're just going to be taking questions from the Discord. And then if you guys are live, whatever, we can answer you guys' questions as well. We want to make sure you guys are having your fantasy needs met by us. Because plain and simple, as I always say, you know, that's my saying. Uh, we want you guys to win your fantasy championships based not only on what we tell you guys, but what you're hearing, being able to imply, uh, apply an informed opinion based off what you're hearing. So definitely excited to get into that. Uh, but today on the docket, as we mentioned, got the bull predictions. But we, before we head into that, we're going to hit the intro. Okay, so as you guys are going to see on the screen right now, bowl prediction number one is uh, my first bowl prediction. It's one that I have been hyping up all basically offseason. A guy that is one of my my guys, featured on the my guys episode, my, my my guy at wide receiver. And that is going to be that DJ Moore wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers leads the league in receiving yards for this season. So uh, just briefing over what he did last year, last year as a sophomore. He was able to produce nearly 1,200 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns in just over 14 games. I mentioned this a couple of times, but in that 15th game, he caught one pass for six yards and got hurt. So, I mean, if you want to count that, you count that. If not, I'm actually going to take the sample size where he actually finished the games. But if you're actually looking at the efficiency of his situation last year, the catchable target rate and target quality rating that he had ranked 74th and 69th respectively, and his catch rate of 64.4 
receptions of total targets, fell way behind his true catch rate of 87.9, which is his actual uh, receptions on catchable targets. That ranked 46th and 19th respectively, kind of showing you the disparity, uh, which basically happens due to quarterback play. Because let's be honest, if the targets aren't catchable, that's not on the receiver. So looking at that, last year for uh, DJ Moore, I mean, 16.2 PPR points per game in those 14 games. He was just phenomenal, plain and simple. 1,200 yards, I mentioned. And that was solely with Kyle Allen basically throwing him the ball. I mean, he had a couple of Will Greerman's uh, instances. Cam Newton played a couple games at the beginning of the year, but realistically here, that was mostly with Kyle Allen throwing the ball. Now you enter Teddy Bridgewater, who is well-known as one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. Maybe he's not got a huge arm, but he is definitely accurate, a similar mold to what Drew Brees actually is. I'm going to segue into that next on the system uh, in terms of type of player. So just talking about the actual accuracy of Teddy Bridgewater. So his true completion percentage of 76.4, actually ranked fourth league-wide. His 7.8 accuracy rating ranked second, and his 7.1 adjusted air yards per attempt ranked 12th, which all those metrics severely outpaced what Kyle Allen was able to do for DJ Moore last year. So I mean, you're entering that huge quarterback upgrade and the system, as I mentioned, of Joe Brady. Now, a little backstory on Joe Brady. Joe Brady is basically a disciple of Sean Payton, as we know, the New Orleans Saints head coach, uh, in terms of what they want to do on offense. He coached under Sean Payton was able to actually pioneer the LSU offense for this year, as we saw Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase all have success in this year. I mean, you're actually representing them right now with your sweater. Um, And we can definitely see a similar type mold of receiver in terms of role for what DJ Moore is going to do, as opposed to what a guy like Michael Thomas or Justin Jefferson was able to do for LSU. So what are your thoughts on Moore before I continue? Yeah, you you know I'm I'm very high on Moore as well. We're going to talk about a guy uh, in a bit who I actually picked Moore over. That might surprise some people, but I mean, as you mentioned, like Teddy Bridgewater is much more of a quarterback upgrade than a lot of people might think. A lot of people think Teddy Bridgewater is just a check down Charlie, like Derek Carr or whoever. Like insert any other quarterback that you think just checks down a lot. Even if that's true, which I don't think it is, because I do think Teddy Bridgewater is better than that. DJ Moore is the lowest A dot player on that team, not named Christian McCaffrey, because. Curtis Samuel is like a gadget player, but he's primarily, he got a lot of deep targets last year. And same goes for Robbie Anderson. He's going to be used in that role as well. And then Ian Thomas as a tight end is not, does not play the role that Greg Olson used to play. He was more of like a seam buster tight end as well. So DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, this is going to be an offense where they, they death by a thousand paper cuts uh, you. And then they hit play action, throw it over the top to Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. So DJ Moore actually very like fits very well in this system as you're probably going to get into in a second, but he also fits well with Teddy Bridgewater, who's going to be probably pretty good at, at um, kind of running this system as he did last year in New Orleans. For sure, 100%. But, uh, I mean, playing so well, I keep saying it. Sorry about that, y'all. But uh, the Panthers as a team, we kind of know how they're defined at this point. I mean, they have an exciting offense with a ton of potential. Their defense is lacked. What does that mean? Well, if you actually look at the correlation between the 10 worst passing defenses or uh, the 10 worst point dif- uh, points allowed defenses, my bad, versus where they're pass ranked in terms of attempts uh, last year, you can kind of see that the worst pass defense or uh, the worst defense that you had, the better actual pass attempts that you had. You actually tweeted this out. So I'm going to show it on the screen. Sorry, that was a little weird explained, but you can see on the screen. So basically the Dolphins, Panthers, Giants, Buccaneers, Cardinals, Redskins, 
Lions, Bengals, Raiders, and Falcons were the 10 worst defenses in terms of points allowed. And as you see, I mean, the correlation between the overall pass attempts and where their defense ranked, the, basically what it shows here, other than a couple outliers, the worse that your defense was in allowing points, the more pass attempts uh, a team was have. Because it just makes sense. If you're down in games, if your defense is giving up points, you're going to tend to pass the ball more because you can't control game script at that point. You need to put points on the board. What's going to be faster, running a 14-play run-driven drive or actually passing the ball and trying to finish it in seven, eight plays? Because let's be honest here, teams that fall behind need to make up a ton of points, a ton of yards quickly, and the passing game is more efficient to be able to do that. Now, if you're actually looking at it, what happened to the Panthers' defense this offseason? Oh, you know, they just lost one of the best linebackers of this generation in Luke Keekley, their cornerback one in James Bradbury, a starting safety in Eric Reed, Gerald McCoy, Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, and Vernon Butler, all starting defensive linemen for them. Like, that passing game is going to have to throw the ball. I wouldn't be shocked if we're reaching, if we're talking 660, 670-plus attempts because they threw the ball 633 times last year and then last lost on those guys to add on to that. So, I mean... When you're simply just saying a third-year talented wide receiver is going to improve, because anybody can say that about DJ Moore. However, I'm actually going to take it a step further. I'm going to say that in that new system with the huge quarterback upgrade, DJ Moore actually leads the receive in receiving yards. So, I mean, a shoe win for 150-plus targets. He's an explosive playmaker in the open field. And for a team that's going to need to rely on uh, their offense to score a ton of points to stay into games, I can just see DJ Moore absolutely exploding onto the scene, ultimately leading the league in receiving yards. So. Yeah, and on one back to the point of you talking about like defenses leading to passing volume, the outliers in that thing, you can kind of explain why they're outliers. So the Cardinals, the Redskins, the Falcons, and the Lions were the teams that didn't rank inside the top 10 in pass attempts despite having bad defenses. And the reason being is because they have bad passing offenses. The Panthers, like I don't think anyone's going to argue here that the Panthers' passing weapons are actually good and their quarterback is solid. Like, the Cardinals last year didn't have DeAndre Hopkins like they do now. Like, their, their passing offense wasn't that good. The Redskins last year, like, they, their passing offense is horrible. Um, the Lions probably would have been in the top 10, uh, given that their defense, but they had David Blau at quarterback and freaking whoever else played quarterback for them. And then the Raiders uh, had, like, a really successful run game, and they honestly, like, they're just kind of the one outlier here that I think they probably should have been up here, but they just weren't. And that's kind of just John Gruden's, like, coaching style like he's not going to give into game script which is actually evidenced by their splits um when trailing it's pretty but similar regardless even when talking about the raiders though i mean like they they may be an outlier too but they even they added two uh rookie yeah, and they had no receivers last year well. it was just I mean, darren waller there yeah so i mean you had darren waller alone last year now you add henry ruggs and uh Brian Edwards, which was a big fix they needed to fix in the draft. They ultimately attacked it with two high draft capital picks there. So it just goes to show you that the correlation is strong in this, uh, what's called in this uh, sentiment. So yeah, I definitely love DJ Moore for this year. Fire him up. I mean, it may sound bold, but I do think he actually is going to lead the league in receiving yards if I were to take a bet. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm going to get into another NFC South uh, receiver that we're going to talk about here. And so my bold prediction uh, is that Mike Evans leads the NFL in touchdowns and he finishes the season as a top three fantasy wide receiver. So everyone assumes that Chris Godwin is the receiver to own in fantasy this year. And it's really causing Mike Evans to slip. I've seen some analysts with Mike Evans, like at Crazy. their court or at the receiver, like 15 and stuff. Cause they're like, Oh, he's so inconsistent. He like only like was a wide receiver two or better, like 40% of his games. Like 
honestly don't care because I think the result of his inconsistency was the quarterback's inconsistency in Jameis Winston. While Godwin will 100% get more targets than Mike Evans in, in 2020 because of the roles that they play, his targets are not as valuable as Mike Evans. The most recent camp buzz around these two receivers has been all Evans. It's been all Evans. Tom Brady's talked about how great their connection is. Bruce Arians has talked about it. And um, the Pewter Report, who's like a, a big like uh, beat reporter uh, outlet for the Bucks, have talked about the fact that Godwin is like not looked the same, like for whatever reason, like he's maybe he's banged up. And when he was actually asked about it, uh, Bruce Arians, he said, that's for me to know and, and you to find out or something when they asked if uh, Godwin was hurt. So there's some like not great things going on with Chris Godwin. And if anything happens to Godwin, if he gets hurt or anything, Evan's going to smash because he's just going to yeah. get like heavily, heavily targeted. But, um, and if you want to buy into the um, Tom Brady, like needs his receivers to trust him or like he needs to trust his receivers narrative. Well, clearly that's on Evans' side right now in 2019 too. Um, Mike Evans led the NFL in routes run or yards per route run on deep attempts. And it's no surprise that he received the fourth most deep attempts in the NFL. So we know he has the big play potential to get a lot of touchdowns. And as I've mentioned before, I love Jameis Winston, but Mike Evans led the NFL in uncatchable targets. He had 18 of those 30 deep attempts were deemed uncatchable. They were throwaways or they were like this. Jameis misses Mike Evans all the time on deep balls. It just always happens. I'm a, I, I watch every second of Tampa Bay Bucks football. It's every time I see a deep ball thrown from Jameis Winston to Mike Evans, I'm like, oh, it's like so close every time. Anyway, the sling it downfield system that is run there in Tampa Bay, it's here to say it's, it's not like going to change just because Tom Brady is there. And like James White and Julian Edelman aren't on the roster. They're not going to be running the New England Patriots offense just because Tom Brady is there. And I've mentioned this before, the red zone usage that Mike Evans has seen over the past, like over his entire career, but last year specifically, he tied for eight in the NFL for, for with 14 red zone targets with eight coming inside the five yard line, which was second in the NFL to Larry Fitzgerald, ironically. But um, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on Evans? Because I know a lot of people just kind of view him as like the second receiver in Tampa Bay. And even if that's the case, let's not pretend like this is not a top five passing offense in the league. The second receiver in Tampa Bay could still be a top six, top five receiver. I fully agree with the point of Mike Evans being completely disrespected by the fantasy community. Cause plain and simple. Oh my God. I keep saying that, but <laughs> um, what is really different about his situation in comparison to a guy like Kenny Galladay? Kenny Galladay is the darling of everybody in fantasy football. He's, high, he's ranked in a lot of people's top five, top six, top seven. When you're actually looking at the situations, what is different in each of the situations? Well, for, for starters, Mike Evans is a better version of what Kenny Galladay, is, Galladay yeah. is, a big physical outside receiver that can put up touchdowns on you. And people point to, oh, well, uh, Kenny Galladay with Matthew Stafford last year was a lot better than uh, without him, but he still produced. Well, Kenny Galladay points per game with Matt Stafford last year was 17.62. Even with Mike Evans having a couple of games where he had zero points, 17.9 per game. If you're actually looking at it, who's more likely to score more touchdowns? Well, Kenny Galladay has a ton of touchdown upside, but give me the guy who has a offense that is most likely going to be top five in the league is going to be the prime red zone weapon for that offense. And Kenny Galladay is still a receiver that, quite frankly, isn't going to pass a 130 target pace when we literally even saw last year that Mike Evans was on pace for 145 targets. So people say, oh, he's got a ton of upside with Stafford coming back. What is that upside in terms of targets? What, 124 targets, 70 catch pace? Like, Give me the guy that is proven to be a year-over-year top six talent at the position. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Evans, and I think it's not even close in my opinion. I think I have Evans right now as my wide receiver eight, and Kenny Galladay is like my wide receiver 12 right now. So I don't understand why there's such a disparity for the majority of the fantasy community between those two players because give me Evans all day, every day over Kenny Galladay. Yeah, and I've mentioned this before as well. Like, let's not pretend that Mike Evans isn't the same type of receiver that Randy Moss was when he broke the single-season touchdown record. Like, they both are the downfield, big-bodied red zone threat. And Gronkowski coming in does nothing but help Mike Evans in the red zone. Yeah, he might steal a touchdown or two from him, but he takes all the attention. Like, as soon as Gronkowski's in the game, if they're passing in the red zone, everyone's eyes go on Rob Gronkowski. They'll probably forget about Mike Evans with Gronkowski in the game. So don't overthink Mike Evans. I know a lot of people are just, oh, he's so inconsistent. Like, whatever. Who cares? No receiver is consistent except for Michael Thomas last year, Devontae Adams two years ago. There's usually only like one or two receivers every year that are super, super consistent. So his quarterback is a, is a huge upgrade in deep accuracy and in the red zone where Jameis has also been poor in his career. And he's not going to catch 100 passes like Chris Godwin if Chris Godwin plays the full season and this injury is nothing to be concerned with. But again, he might catch 12-plus touchdowns. And again, this has also happened in Mike Evans' career before. Mike Evans has two seasons where he had 12 touchdowns. So having a, a 13, 14, 15 touchdown season is not like some crazy outlier for him because he's always been used in that role, uh, especially when he was the only man in town before Godwin and Deshaun Jackson and all them came in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just it's crazy to people that they, they still can't grasp the fact that Mike Evans is – as I mentioned, a top six, top seven receiver talent in the league has never failed to post a thousand yards, has that 10, 12, 15 touchdown type upside on any given year, especially one where the offense is going to be projected to be as good as it is. Tom Brady, as you mentioned, huge upgrade. As much as people want to say, oh, he's a check down Charlie or whatever, like that false narrative that people want to throw around. What's more likely, as you always say, what's more likely the best, one of the most smartest quarterbacks of all time is going to grasp a system or 12 other guys including the coach, or sorry, we're not in Canadian football, 10 other guys on offense and the coach is going to change to what Tom Brady wants to do. I mean, it's just, it's a simple math. Get Make the smartest quarterback of all time adapt to the Aryan system. So really, like, don't fade him. He's going to be a beast. He's going to be at minimum in the top five touchdowns. I'll put that on ink right now. And yeah. as you mentioned, I could definitely see him leading the league in touchdowns and returning that. If he leads the league in touchdowns, he definitely has that top three, top five. I think there. Brady's going to like, is probably going to be a lock for top five in touchdowns at the quarterback position too. Agreed. So you want just a piece of that pie. If Brady throws 37 touchdowns this year or something, there's a good chance that Evans and Godwin both have double digits. For sure, similar to my Cowboys, if you guys can see that behind. But <laughs> I'm going to segue into the next bull prediction uh, you guys can see on the screen. And uh, another one of my my guys, but it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire having a top 10 yards from scrimmage season of all time. So that would be 1,800 or more yards from scrimmage and 15 total touchdowns as a rookie. So you guys have heard my ranks on the rookie uh, Kansas City Chiefs running back all the time. But I will go out on a limb and basically say that his rookie season is going to be one of the all-time greats. Hilaire is coming off an unbelievable college season when he thrived as both a runner and receiver for an LSU offense that led the Tigers to the national championship playing with Joe Burrow. Well, what happens? Oh, it just so happens that the best offense in the NFL with the league's top quarterback makes him their first round selection. If you can't, you can't describe a better situation 
than what actually happened for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So the a perfect fit for their offense from the start. The team made sure to go up and jump and grab a franchise running back to basically just make their offense unstoppable. It's pretty silly when you actually look at their offense, the amount of weapons, the amount of absolute dynamic talent that they have there. I mean, we're going to see it this Thursday night. You guys are going to be watching this on Tuesday. So uh, you, can, you can definitely see it even as soon as week one. But mentioning week one, similar uh, to Kareem Hunt. Hey, Danny, it's week one now. That's crazy. I know. That's, that's crazy to think about. Similar to that, I mentioned how Clyde edwards Claire can make a huge impact as soon as the first game of the season. Well, it just so happened that the last time the Kansas City Chiefs actually put some stock into a rookie running back with a similar situation, a vet, uh, not opting out, he got hurt, but Damian Williams opted out. Spencer Ware got hurt before the season. Cream Hunt was thrust into the spotlight week one against the New England Patriots, and we kind of all know how that turned out. But if you're actually extrapolating that season – 1782 yards from scrimmage, which is actually 11th all time. I said Clyde's going to be top 10. That was 11th all time. And he was still able to produce 11 total touchdowns and or 111.5 yards from scrimmage per game. Well, if you're actually just comparing them straight up, you go from not only CH being a first round selection, 32nd overall, to Kareem Hunt being a third round selection, but Kareem Hunt's actually, oh, actually entered an offense with Alex Smith as his pivot. Well, Clyde Everett-Tolaire is entering the best offense in the NFL, led by the best quarterback in the NFL, as I mentioned, in Patrick Mahomes. So I see Clyde not only being able to match those numbers, but this may sound bold again, but I think he's going to be able to uh, exceed them as a rookie. So the 27 games overall that Kareem Hunt was actually able to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, 11 of them in that next season with Patrick Mahomes, he posted 110.5 yards from scrimmage per game and 25 total touchdowns in those 27 games which is this insanity. Mention Kareem Hunt. Now let's look at actually what Damian Williams, who we can all say at this point, isn't as good as the back of either Kareem Hunt or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, was able to do with the designated lead back role or meeting a threshold of 50% or more snaps per game in the 2019 NFL season. So I'm going to show the screen, uh, a prompt on the screen that I actually tweeted out a couple of weeks ago. But it's just truly funny that there are still people doubting why CEH is a lock. You guys can kind of see the points that he was able to do in PPR formats. Damian Williams, in games where he played 50% or more of the snaps, had a 17.2 PPR points per game page, which would have made him the RB10. Uh, in this current situation right now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a lock for at minimum 60 to 70% per game. So if you're looking at that, Damian Williams averaged 91.7 yards from scrimmage per game and five touchdowns across those seven games. I mean, he may, uh, Clyde might not go out and lead the league in rushing as a rookie like Kareem Hunt was able to do. He doesn't need to. That's the thing that's with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire yeah. is that he doesn't need to. He is going to score 15 touchdowns plus this year. Easily. If you play for the Chiefs, that's just honestly what's just going to happen because – I'm pretty sure we can all confidently say that the Chiefs are going to be a top five scoring offense, probably top two this year in the NFL. And the starting running back is directly correlated to like when you're a, like the RB one or whatever, you have to be from a good offense. So guys like probably as much as we like Austin Eckler, he probably can't finish as the RB one overall because he's not going to be in a top 10 scoring offense most likely. But a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's a lot like Austin Eckler, is going to be in an elite, elite offense where even if he isn't that good, like uh, from an efficiency perspective, he's probably going to get bailed out by uh, from touchdowns. And I think me and you both expect him to be very good because we both 100%. like him coming out of school as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you're actually looking at it, uh, a guy like Kareem Hunt, as I mentioned, 110.5 yards from scrimmage per game across those 27 games. And that was only on 3.6 targets per game. 
I think I can safely say, given the receiving prowess that we saw from him as a prospect and given what they've been saying out of him at camp, saying that he is polished as a receiver out of the back. But I, couldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing a, a rookie back in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire averaging five to seven targets per game. And if that's the case, combining his rushing uh, upside, combining that touchdown upside, I mean, there's no way that he doesn't meet those thresholds. So again, it may sound bold saying top 10 yards from scrimmage of all time, but this is the perfect situation for a guy like that to be able to do so. Now mentioning those 15 touchdowns from scrimmage per game. Well, if you actually took the average of Damian Williams over that seven-game stretch I mentioned and his .71 touchdown per games versus Kareem Hunt 2018 with Mahomes of 1.27 a game, you actually extrapolate that out. That actually equals 15.8 touchdowns across the 16-game sample size. I'll go bold and I'll just say he, he crosses the 15-touchdown barrier because, I mean, you see the math right there. A stat line of 1,800 total yards from scrimmage and 15 touchdowns, just to show you how bold that actually was according to last year. It would have ranked second in yards for scrimmage behind Christian McCaffrey, and the 15 touchdowns actually would have had him tied for fourth league-wide with Mark Ingram. So, I mean, he, he's just in for a special year. I mean, the, these, the fact that these even seem attainable for a rookie back just show you that this guy should not be leaving the mid-first round of any of your fantasy drafts this year. Yeah. And a big objection people might have is like, oh, we've never seen him in the, f- we've never seen him do it. Like, never, that's why I can't take him in the first round. We never, well, we saw, never saw Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Barkley do it. We never saw Zeke. Kareem Hunt do it. We never saw Alvin Kamara do it. We never, like all these guys were elite in their rookie years. And the same people that say we've never seen him do it are also the same people that say running backs don't matter. Well, is there a more prototypical running backs don't matter system than Andy Reid's with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback with a great offensive line with elite field stretching options and Hardman and Hill? with a great tight end to take more attention away in the red zone. Like they're like me and Danny might be fucking RB twos in that offense. Like literally like, it's really not that hard for like, even if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is average at like, as a talent, he's still probably going to be an RB one this year. Just as I mentioned, based on touchdown volume and probably receptions as well. Yeah. So uh, getting off of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'll just and say one more the, thing. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Nobody views Damian Williams as a, as a top talent in the league, right? Well, he was the no. RB 10 on points per game. I mean, the, the people that are scared to take talented rookies in situations with a ton of upside are the same people that perennially finished fourth in your fantasy football league. So got to take the risk on upside with a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, that top two, three overall RB season is definitely in store. I mean, I mentioned here 1,800 yards from scrimmage and 15 total touchdowns is definitely attainable. So go into your, your second guy. Sorry, I can't cut you off. Yeah, so we're going to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire head-to-head against this guy in uh, two short days, and that's Deshaun Watson uh, is going to be the QB1 and win the MVP award is the bold prediction that I have. So if you guys um, are subscribers to Notorious Fantasy's channel, I already made this bold prediction on his channel, so I'm going to carry it over, unfortunately. But uh, as Danny mentioned, I'll have him put this back up on the screen again. The top 10 teams in points allowed last year correlated directly with um, teams that threw the ball a lot. And notice that the teams, as I mentioned, that have very good passing offenses where they have a good quarterback, they have good receiving options, they have running backs that can catch the ball, they have tight ends, whatever. They ranked very highly on this list. The takeaway from from that uh, top 10 list is that teams like Houston, teams like Seattle, teams like Vegas, teams like Carolina and Jacksonville, all their passing options are undervalued. And specifically, I think they're quarterbacks for a lot of those teams. I think Houston... Uh, I think Watson's going to have a great year. I think uh, Derek Carr is going to have a solid year. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a solid year. I think Gardner Minshew is going to have a great year. I think Russell Wilson's obviously going to be Russell Wilson. But um, And I'll put this on the screen as well. In the five games that the Texans failed to rush for more than 100 yards, Deshaun Watson threw the ball almost 39 times, which is a, target, or a pass attempt pace 
of over 600. In the six games that the Texans allowed greater than 30 points, he threw the ball 34.3 times, which is a 550 yard or 550 attempt uh, pace. Both of these things happened twice, and he threw the ball 43 times on average in those games. Both the defense on of the Texans, where they lost DJ Reader and they they lost um, one of their corners or safeties. I can't remember who yeah. it was, but oh, uh, they lost Ke- some guys. Kevin Johnson. And their defense right? got worse. They Go lost Kevin, Kevin Johnson, I believe, cornerback. Yes, Kevin Johnson. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was thinking of. And their rushing attack also got worse. I'll get into that in a second. But <laughs> the defense is terrible. They have Vernon fucking Hargraves as a starting corner. That's how you know their defense is bad. And that's the reason that you attacked Tampa Bay's defense for so long and why their defense suddenly became good once he was gone. Um, Watson's going to have to play Superman this year. If the Texans want to win games, that's just how it's going to have to happen. And he's also not going to get as much help from the rushing attack as he did last year, as I mentioned. In fact, Carlos Hyde, as a pure runner, ranked better than David Johnson in true yards per carry, better in breakaway run rate, better in evaded tackles per attempt, better juke rate, et cetera. All these metrics, he outranks David Johnson. So while David Johnson was once a great running back, He's all he can really do is catch the ball at this point in his career. He's kind of slowed down and Bill O'Brien's still probably going to run the ball up the middle 20 times a game because that's Bill O'Brien. But yeah, David Johnson isn't going to be very successful at it. And it's going to lead to a lot of third and longs and a lot of Watson being Watson. Plus any damage that David and Duke Johnson do as running backs is probably going to become as a receiver. And all that affects Deshaun Watson's uh, stat lines as well. If David Johnson catches a screen pass and takes it 40 yards, me and Danny look like idiots for fading him in fantasy, but it also helps Deshaun Watson, so it's okay. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson is going to be phenomenal this year. The people that are quote-unquote fading him because they oh they want to put him at quarterback 7, quarterback 8, quarterback 9. I've seen him on some list. Like, Don't overthink talented quarterbacks that are going to throw the ball a crap ton, and that is exactly what Deshaun Watson is. Not to mention, He's Gardner I mean, Minshew on steroids this year. Literally, not to mention, uh, you mentioned the, the rushing upside that Minshew has. Well, Deshaun Watson may be what the second third most mobile league in the entire or quarterback in the entire league like obviously yeah, probably Lamar Ky- like probably him Kyler Murray and Josh yeah. Allen would be like right behind Lamar yeah uh, no easily I mean th- this guy is going to have to do it all on offense I mean we love uh, we love the uh, the upside that Brandon Cooks Will Fuller still possess on the outside to end up stretching the field for a guy like Deshaun Watson I mean he's still got a good receiving core available to him yes losing Hopkins hurts but he's got field stretchers that are able to get behind defenses. Mention those two. We still got Kenny Stills. They signed Randall Cobb to a contract. David Johnson is nowhere near even as efficient as Carlos Hyde was last year. And Duke Johnson is still a good receiving back out of the back though as well. So I don't and know Their why. tight ends were even involved in the red zone. I mean, who, who, who's saying Kahali Waring can actually do anything this year? I mean, he, he showed talent. He showed yeah. talent last year. I mean, like, there's still a guy that's got a little bit of talent. I mean, anything's going to be an upgrade over what Darren Fells was offering last year, even though they saw Darren Fells still had, like, seven touchdowns. Yeah. So that's my point. Like, Watson yeah, like- throws the ball in the red zone a lot, too. Like, and it's it's usually, like, when, when stuff happens in the red zone for the Texans, it's usually a Watson passing touchdown or a Watson, a Watson rushing touchdown. You mentioned his, uh, his rushing floor. He carried the ball 82 times last year, which was fourth among quarterbacks. And he had seven rushing touchdowns, which was second among quarterbacks. Yeah. And as you mentioned, sometimes like don't overthink Deshaun Watson because when you give an elite quarterback, because in my opinion, he's like the third best quarterback in the league. Top five for sure. You give him high volume. You give him big play receivers. I know they're not DeAndre Hopkins, but they make big plays. He has no rushing attack and he has a defense that will keep him throwing and good things are going to happen. I've mentioned this parallel before. But in 2017, we saw Russell Wilson have to Superman it and do it all himself. 
And guess what happened? We let Russ cook and he finishes the quarterback one. Yeah. Yeah, no, Russ that year was phenomenal. Who's saying that Deshaun Watson can't do something similar this year? So, I, I again, I, I'm all in on Deshaun Watson as well. I know you even have – I think you have him as your quarterback three right now in fantasy as yep. well. But I could definitely see an area where him, obviously my guy Dak, any of those two guys in addition to the top two are going to be the quarterback one. But for this specific situation, yes, passing volumes there, rushing volumes there. This guy's still going to put up a ton of touchdowns. I mean, he is just one of the most dynamic talents at the position that ultimately don't overthink good players. Don't take Josh Allen over him just because you think it might be sexy. Oh, he's got a good offense. He's going to get rushing. No, Deshaun Watson, as much as I like Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson is such a tier above. Deshaun him. Watson is like, Josh Allen, except on he can steroids. Throw. Yeah. Playing it. Uh, like, uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely on board with that Deshaun Watson take. That's kind of my take uh, for Dak. We can kind of get into some honorable mentions. I was going to say that for an honorable mention I was going to bring on the video is the Dallas Cowboys have three 1,000-yard receivers, which hasn't been accomplished since the 2008 Arizona Cardinals, which I believe was Larry Fitzgerald, Steve Breston, and who was the third? Was, it, was that still Anquan Bolden? It might have been Bolden. I'm trying to I think. So. I, I can't think of who else was there. Well, that was the last time three 1K wide receivers were on the same team. I do think that this year, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael, Michael Gallup are going to be that trio that takes it and is the first trio to do it since those Arizona Cardinals. And Dak Prescott ends up winning the MVP because if you have those three 1K receivers, you still have Zeke. I mean, that offense is going to be thriving, kind of what we mentioned uh, with how efficient the Buccaneers offense is going to be. I do think that the Cowboys offense is going to be similar. If that's the case, I mean, Dak Prescott's got 35, 40 touchdown type upside this year. So uh, that would be why one of my honorable mentions. What's your other honorable mention, Bush? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up two just real quick. I've talked Go about Antonio Gibson a lot over the last couple of videos that have all popped off. So thank you guys for the support, as Danny mentioned at the beginning of the video. But Antonio Gibson, my, I had a bold prediction way back in, uh, in July with, uh, on Notorious' channel where I said Antonio Gibson will be the number one player owned on fantasy championship rosters. And basically why I think that at the time was because I thought Antonio Gibson would be like a second half breakout. But right now, I just think he's really talented. I think he's going to get a lot of receiving volume. And it only took Alvin Kamara in his rookie year, like eight carries a game plus all the receiving work he got to be the number one player owned on fantasy championship rosters. And before you say, well, Antonio Gibson's not as good as Alvin Kamara. One, we don't know that yet. Two, Antonio Gibson's athletic profile is much better than Alvin Kamara's. And he's Easily. also very good, like on tape, like at football as well. So, yeah. and one last one I wanted to bring up just because you brought up CeeDee Lamb. I think there's a possibility that we have five or six receivers that are rookies this year that are top 24 options. Like I actually I think this, we, we all talked about this rookie class coming in. This is one of the best rookie classes we've ever seen. Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, all these guys that have been in the industry for a long time were like, this is the best receiver class I've ever seen. This is the deepest receiver class I've ever seen. And there are a number of rookies, Michael Pittman Jr., Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, all these guys, they're all in great situations to smash their rookie year. So I think we could see a, a rookie like bonanza of like fantasy scoring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like last year, except this class is even better than last year's was from a prospect perspective. And I actually think a lot of these guys uh, landed in better landing spots than those guys as well. For sure. I mean, people faded AJ Brown last year specifically because he landed on the Titans. Well, I mean, you've cited him multiple times on the breakout and must own wide receiver, uh, second year wide receivers videos. 
That guy smashed expectations. Who's yeah. to say that this year, oh, you want to fade the rookie wide receivers? Yes. I've mentioned a couple of times they may take them a little bit to get acclimated because of COVID. But once those guys get acclimated, the situations that they are in are phenomenal to end up earning targets right away. I also think a lot of those guys, as I mentioned on the sleepers video with Jerry Judy, I don't think Jerry Judy needs that much time to get acclimated because I think Jerry Judy was pro ready in 2017. Like I, like I don't think he needed that much time to learn a playbook and all that stuff. A lot of these guys were very pro ready receivers. And that's yeah. why I do expect a lot of them to perform their rookie years. I know we don't generally want to count on rookie receivers, but this class is built different and next year's class is too. So get ready for that. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be exciting watching these uh, wide receivers uh, end up snapping over the stretch this year. But talking about mine, I'm actually going to mention uh, two tight ends that I finish uh, that I actually think are going to both finish in the top six. I have one ranked in the top six right now in Hayden Hurst. The other one's going to be Jonu Smith. Now, mentioning those two guys, for? I'm just going to mention a bold prediction, bro. All right, all right. Everybody, everybody knows you love them. Uh, I'm supporting you. But mentioning those two guys, if you're looking at opportunity, talent, and potential increase in t- overall volume. All those two, uh, both those two guys meet the thresholds. I mean, they were both efficient on their targets last year. We saw both Hayden Hurst in Baltimore and John o. Smith last year on the Titan- Tennessee Titans. They both have a huge increase in store for opportunity. Hayden Hurst getting traded for a second and fifth round pick. We mentioned multiple times. One of those seconds ended up turning into J.K. Dobbins. And uh, John o. Smith obviously being the number two target now for the Tennessee Titans. And in general, I mean, we've cited multiple times. The Atlanta Falcons are in the pass heaviest offense in the league and are vacating an 18.5% target market share that Austin Hooper was able to garner last year. Hayden Hurst is Austin Hooper with a better athletic profile. So I don't know why people want to fade him in a great spot. And talking about Johnny, you mentioned multiple times, the Titans were one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL last year. That's going to face some positive regression in terms of pass attempts. They even were, if it the, doesn't, it doesn't I, matter because Johnny was, even if Johnny only gets 90 targets this year, which it doesn't sound like a lot, but for the tight end position, that's a lot of targets, like for the tight yeah. end position. You can finish as a top six tight end with 90 targets, especially if you're as efficient as Johnny Smith is. As I'm, I've mentioned all his efficiency metrics and yards per route run and yards per target, yards after catch per reception. All that stuff just means if he gets, if he gets any targets, he's going to be good because he's a big play tight end. So um, that'll, that'll do it for us uh, in terms of all our bold predictions. Uh, We're getting right into in-season content starting probably tomorrow. Uh, Me and Nick are going to have a showdown slate in terms of uh, the DFS slate for game one of the NFL season this year between the Texans and the Chiefs. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Um, Make sure you guys uh, like the video if you enjoyed it, if you received any value from it. Comment down below. You guys have been smashing the comments section lately, so definitely appreciate that. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We post videos every day hit the notification bell, uh, bell icon so that you get notified anytime we post any new videos. Uh, Dan, you got anything to add before we get out of here? Uh, just wanted to mention one thing. Uh, as we mentioned, me and uh, Corey are going to be taking some questions for the Discord in terms of start, st- uh, start, sit, end up live streaming that. And if you guys are in the live stream, we finish up with some of the Discord questions. We are going to stay in a little bit extra. You guys can leave any comments down below. We will feel free to answer your questions because we want to see you guys win. We want to see you guys succeed. That's what we made the channel for for you guys to end up winning those fantasy football championships. So hope you guys enjoyed this video. This was our bold predictions and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Peace out.